1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Two Minute Warning Podcast, right here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Your host, of course, myself, Dave Sergio, alongside two of the premier writers of bloggingtheboys.com. That's Aiden Davis, Tony Cannalina. It is playoff week, it is 49er week, so we had to up the ante a little bit for the Two Minute Warning Podcast. We are bringing on a guest, ladies and gentlemen, staff writer of DallasCowboys.com, Dave Hellman. Dave, what's going on, man?
2: Hey, you said it yourself, dude. It's it's Niners week. It's the playoffs, baby. I feel like, uh, you know, with the start that the Cowboys got out to, we've been waiting for this for a long time. Like we knew they were going to be in the playoffs as early as like October. So uh, it's it's exciting that it's finally here.
1: Yeah. So, all right. So I got to know, just be based off of, you know, you've been, you've been front and center with all the press conferences throughout the week, all the media sessions. What is the temperature in Dallas, man? Like, are, are, are we walking around like Connor McGregor, like arms swinging? We feeling good about this? Are we being timid? Are we being like cautiously optimistic? What's the, what's the overall temperature and the vibes in Dallas right now?
2: That's an interesting, um, I think you could go a lot of different ways based on who you talk to. I mean, the team, uh, not not so much Connor McGregor, like I wouldn't call it like arrogance or cockiness, but I think everything we've heard from the team, there's this attitude of um of confidence of you know this is this is when it counts. We know what this is about. We know what we're about. A lot of the a lot of the leaders on this team have been here before. I mean, with the exception of like maybe Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs all the other stars on this team know exactly what they're signing up for. I think there's a lot of, and obviously the head coach, Mike McCarthy, he talked a lot today about how much time he spent in the playoffs, obviously got, got to a Super Bowl with Green Bay. So I think a lot of like business as usual coming from the team. Now, as for like the fans and the media, I love this time of year because depending on who you talk to, It's 50-50, like, somebody's either terrified and just, like, pessimistic, like, we're going one and done, this team sucks, why are we even doing this? And then there's, like, the other side of that, where half this fan base is super pissed off about San Francisco, like, people are tired of hearing that San Francisco is, like, this big, bad matchup that Dallas needs to watch out for, so... It's always fun this time of year. Like everybody's either really scared or really pissed off, and like just wants to see the Cowboys handle business. So, uh, yeah, I guess kind of all over the place. I guess would be the answer. But the team, the team seems very dialed in and and not at all, you know, not ready for it. I guess.
3: Dave, we're recording on a Thursday, so big news broke today that Will McClay just signed a contract, which is. Huge, meaning that the Cowboys will get to keep the quote-unquote man in the shadows. Uh, For those of us who aren't around the team a lot, we don't really understand the full extent of what Will McClay does and his value to the team. So can you give us a little insight into how important Will McClay is to this team, what all he does, and then how the players feel about him too?
2: Absolutely. And I mean, if you're a Cowboy fan, you should be excited. I, I mean, I... And and I like I'm fortunate enough in my position, I've gotten to know Will pretty well over the years. I just love him as a person in addition to what he brings to this franchise. Um, So you always got to be careful about the way you describe that. I mean, Jerry, Jerry Jones is the owner and general manager of this team. Stephen Jones obviously has a considerable amount of sway as well. And ultimately, I mean, they are, especially Jerry, like the buck stops with him. Like things don't happen at the Cowboys without his say-so. Like he's got the final say, he's got the veto power, but there's this outdated idea that it's like all Jerry wheeling and dealing and doing all this stuff. It's just, it's not the case anymore. If it ever was, it certainly isn't now. Steven has a considerable amount more sway, a considerable Uh, handle on the day-to-day activities like the minutiae of the roster management and stuff like that and then there's will who is kind of like if you think about it like a triangle or even like a square i would say you've got like ownership and then the coaching staff mike mccarthy and then will is the other end of that he is the guy in charge of everything they do in regard to bringing personnel into their team um He's the, like, he's got final say over the pro scouts who are looking at guys to bring in. Will leads the charge on free agent signings and things like that. Um, Obviously, you're going to have your coaches and things like that are going to have say on that. But Will oversees that, and he's like, these are the guys we like. This is what we think we can do. And then the big thing, I'm kind of burying the lead, Will runs the draft. That That is his primary thing. It's been his primary job duty since 2014. He oversees the college scouting department. They put the board together. They identify who they like, again, with input from ownership and from the coaching staff. But Will kind of oversees that whole thing. And so um, when you think about Zach Martin, Demarcus Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, I mean, a lot of voices go into those decisions but Will oversees the process that gets them there. And he has for eight years at this point. So just a big, big piece of bringing talent into this team. And I don't think you can understand. Obviously, their track record speaks for itself in terms of these are the guys that they have brought here. But on top of that, the continuity of he's been working with. I mean, he's been at the Cowboys for 20 years in a variety of different roles. He knows Stephen and Jerry Jones very, very well. Um, obviously, this is a bit of a new coaching staff, but Mike McCarthy and, and Will McClay seem to get along like gangbusters. They seem to really like and appreciate each other. So you look at like model franchises, they all have like synergy and understanding. You don't have 20 different voices saying 20 different things. It's all about kind of rowing in the same direction. Uh, that's that's what Will, Will McClay brings is he's really good at his job and there's a level of stability there. And uh, I think that's what makes it so exciting that they, that they
0: managed to hold on to him. Absolutely. Dave, I I just want to say again, uh, we appreciate you being here, but get down to the nitty gritty a little bit of the San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, you know, everybody's saying that this is a tough matchup for this team and that, you know, this is a, a tough pull for them in the first round of the wild card. But when you look at the 49ers and the, the multitude of players they have, whether it be Debo Samuel or Elijah Mitchell, who's the one X factor on the 49ers that kind of gives you a little, uh, a little nerves, a little pause there?
2: Oh, good question. Uh, it The whole team or just the offense? Everybody. You know, <laughs> yeah, the
0: whole squad.
2: Oh, uh, probably oh, shoot. I mean, Nick Bosa and everybody on that front, probably. Um, I don't know. I like I, the the run, the run game is going to be tough. This, I just think this is going to be a super physical game across the board. Um, I was talking about that with somebody else earlier today is like, yeah, every NFL game is really physical. Uh, but the way the league has changed these days where it's so pass happy and you've taken a lot of those like punishing hits out of it. I don't think you see a lot of teams like the 49ers where their whole MO is to just kind of pound on you. And so that's interesting. But the reason I say Bosa is Dak in this receiver core against San Francisco's secondary is a crazy mismatch. Like there, there should be plays to be made there if you can keep Dak on his feet. Um, and that's going to be easier said than done. I mean, Bosa's the headliner, but honestly – Arden Key and Eric Armstead going up against the Cowboys interior. I think most people would agree if you're identifying problem spots on this roster, it's left guard and center, right? I don't think that's a controversial opinion. And uh, so you think about what guys like that might be able to do, pushing the pocket, getting in Dak's lap. That's what I worry about. Um, If the Cowboys can keep him on his feet, I think their offense could have a big, big day. But that's just a lot easier said than done.
1: Yeah, I'm um, just to follow up, uh, Tony, with this one. Uh, the way I see it is that over the course of the last couple weeks, we've seen Dak Prescott finally start getting a little bit more confident with his legs. Right? There's a little bit more to that. Do you think now that we're all on and we we heard the Zeke, you know, line basically like this is a uh, one week at a time, a new season, just the whole season in one week? You know, like they're going to be emptying the clip as Dak Prescott likes to say in his pre in you know, his pre uh, hype you know hype speeches. Does Dak Prescott use his legs a little bit more than normal in a, in a situation like this where the 49ers are not known for their blitz? It's it's because they don't have to, right? Like, they have that that amazing front. Do you feel like Dak's going to be on the run a lot to try to extend plays and make them on his own, or are you going to try to sit back and, and, and throw some balls deep?
2: I mean, I, I hope he has time to sit back. That's like, if they can create a real pocket for him, maybe, you know, get Tyron Smith to like ride Bosa out of the play, kind of get him going too deep to affect the play. That would be a dream come true. If Dak Prescott has time to stand in there on the balls of his feet and like, you know, make all of his reads, I I think he could have a huge day. It's just, like I said, it's a lot easier said than done. And to answer the other side of that question, I hope so. Um, Not so like, I don't, I don't really care how much he runs the ball. I mean, there's an element of that to it. But for me, and I asked him about this after the, gosh, what game was it? I think It was the Washington game. We just, there was a stretch there where we weren't seeing him throw on the run. Or if he did, he looked unnatural doing it. Like he would, he would stop and like, he would stop and stand still and throw instead of just that patented, like, Drifting, running, throw—that he's so good at—and it seems like he's gotten back to that a little bit over the last two or three weeks. Like it seems like he's a little more confident doing that. Maybe he wasn't always—he would never admit this—but maybe he wasn't always a hundred percent sure that if he did that, he wasn't going to re-aggravate the calf. I don't hundred percent know the answer, uh, but I—that needs to be an element of his game, especially against a pass rush that you think is probably going to make him pretty uncomfortable at times
1: how confident are you about this defense against their running game? Considering the run defense has not been a, I don't want to say a weak point because that's not fair. Cause we we've definitely done a lot better than we did last year, as far as stopping the run is concerned, but with, with you know, Eli Mitchell and, and honestly Debo Samuel out of the backfield, it's like how, we can't give these guys any space is what I'm thinking. Like you really, you gotta be up in their face at all times.
2: Yeah, I really, I don't have a great answer to that. Like, I don't know how to feel. Cause I agree. I don't like the run defense hasn't been bad. It, ha- it hasn't been bad at all, but it's almost unproven. Like they just haven't played very many teams that were bound and determined to run the ball no matter what, you know? And mm-hmm. I think San Francisco will be like, even if Dallas manages to get up in this game, I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to go away from his bread and butter. Um, and so for me, I really hope we see, I hope we see a lot of Micah Parsons off the ball. Um, because if you, if you go watch this team, the way they scheme blocks up, all their receivers are willing blockers. George Kittle might be the best blocking tight end in the league. He's certainly one of them. He's very good at it. Um, you know, they use a fullback all the time. Like how many teams in the NFL, Kyle Juszczyk is like a huge part of their offense. How many teams still do that? You got to so, put some respect. You got to put
1: some respect on McGovern's name as a fullback, man.
2: <laughs> fair, that's totally fair. Connor, Connor's been great this year, but I, I mean, there's going to be a lot of bodies getting to the second level, trying to get in the way. And with all due respect to Leighton Van Resch and Keanu Neal, I feel way better about Micah getting off those blocks, knifing into the backfield, getting through the trash, like my buddy Brian Broaddus likes to say. Um I think they're gonna need that in a big way. And obviously Mike is an incredibly physical tackler. You got to get these guys on the ground. Uh it, it's gonna be a big challenge. I'm I'm interested to see how they hold up because like I said, I just I don't know how many of their opponents this year have really been determined to pound the rock on them, you know, for a full four quarters.
1: Definitely a different feel going into this one. Tony, you got something to bros.
0: Yeah, you know, I was just kinda of looking at I know we touched on the uh the, the offense a little bit there and what kinda of the protection, how important that is, but like you did say something about Michael Parsons, but how big of a role do you think J Ron Kirsten will play? I know like his big physicality being the six four kind of hybrid safety. Do you see he's somebody that can give George Kittle some fits, or is that like, you know, is Jaron Kurst gonna be a man of many hats in this game on Sunday?
2: No, I, th- I mean, Jaron Curse is their leading tackler. I know he's a safety, but I kind of think of him as like a big a big nickel linebacker, basically. I mean, they put him down in the box. Uh, he, he's so good at pursuit plays, too. Like, he makes so many great tackles coming from the backside of a play. So, yeah, no, I think him and Micah, and that's – if you go back and watch this most recent Philly game, I know a lot of people were worried about the run defense in that game, and – it is troubling that Philly's backups were able to do that to them, but Micah and Jaron were both not there. And those are two of your better run defenders not playing in that game. Um, so it's, it's guys like that that give me confidence, but yeah, I mean, Jaron, Jaron's going to be a big element of this. Cause you think about it. He, he spent a lot of time on Kelsey when they played in Kansas city, actually made a great play in coverage against them. So this is, I mean, an A-plus game from J-Ron Curse could go a long way in, in tilting this in the Cowboys' favor. Aiden?
3: Yeah. When I was writing for the previewing the game this week, I mentioned that it, this game might play out similar to the Buccaneers game, where it's the Cowboys get away from the run early. They... They refuse to run into the, and play into the 49ers strengths. And it's just going to be Dak throwing, um, 40, 45 times. Do you think it's good? Do you give any merit to that? Or do you think with the way the offense has been working lately that they're going to try and establish the run, not necessarily establish a run, but try and keep the ground game going throughout this one?
2: Really good question. Um, it's just funny because I loved what they did against Tampa Bay. Like, I love that adaptability where you're like, we're not going to be stubborn about this. We'll just find other ways to manufacture those yards. But, like, in my opinion, and I got to be honest, I haven't done the research on it, but, like, it doesn't seem like those screens and quick throws have been working as well as they did that night. Like, they worked. that stuff worked really well in Tampa. And now that they've got – I mean, it was a season opener. Now that they've got a boatload of tape of it, it just doesn't seem like it works as well. And so maybe there will be an element of that. Uh, but I do think that they're gonna they're gonna try to get Zeke and especially, you know, don't forget that Tony Pollard took a week off. He's a full participant participant in practice this week. I would imagine he's about as fresh as he's been since the Saints game. And I do I mean, I think there's gonna be a concerted effort to get those guys going. Hopefully they're not gonna be too stubborn with it. Um but I do think they they see the value in trying to get that going uh, to try to wear those guys down.
1: Now, a lot of that has to do with the the play calling, obviously. You know, Kellen Moore has been kind of criticized a little bit more towards the back end, maybe after the bye, where the offense has kind of sputtered out, right? Um, do you feel like Kellen Moore – now, there's been a lot of <laughs> – I laugh at it every time I see it on Twitter. Kellen Moore is holding back. He's holding back these plays for the playoffs. Don't you know that he's got this whole bag of tricks ready for the first opponent? I don't buy into that sentiment at all. I, I would assume you agree that they, 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 everything we've seen out of Kellen Moore is the Kellen Moore offense. It's just a matter of, you know, again, playing to the strengths and the weaknesses. And sometimes our game plan is just not as good as the the opponent.
2: Yeah, no, I mean... I mean Kellen Kellen's good for a creative player too, but like yeah, like people just think that the offense is gonna transform into this wacky thing that we've never seen before. No, and honestly, yeah, I would say the game plan's probably been bad a few times, but like that what what made the second half of this season so frustrating is it just seemed like nobody could get on the same page. Like the play calling seemed suspect at times, but Dak's accuracy was off. Dak's lack of mobility was a, a hindrance. The offensive line and the running game completely fell apart. And then for good measure, you had games where CD or Amari struggled with drops or timing with the quarterback. Like, it was just all these little nagging issues um, as opposed to, like, one specific thing that you can easily pinpoint. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm very curious because, like, okay, two of the last three weeks of the season – They looked amazing. You know, they just did. They did whatever they wanted to against teams that are above 500. Like, yeah, so do most teams in the league. Like, I looked that up. Like, (laughs) most of the teams that are in the playoffs, I think, I believe the Chiefs have a really good record against teams above 500, which makes sense. They're the Chiefs. But like everybody else, is kind of hovering around 500 or below 500. Having said all of that, it's a legit criticism that that was kind of like a dress rehearsal for the playoffs, and they looked just as off as they had in all these other games so I mean which which unit's going to show up and I think that that gives you pause like maybe we're all tired of talking about like oh this is a tough matchup but San Francisco can stop the run and they can get after the quarterback and Dallas hasn't coped with those two things very well in the second half of the season
1: now I'll just address the elephant in the room um and it's 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 <laughs> It's not a big elephant. He's, a, he's not a big guy, but uh, without criticizing too harshly because who knows who listens to this thing, are we going to be all right heading into the playoffs with a guy like Greg Zerline kicking field goals? Like, is this, a, is this a, like, there's been many, many fans, my father included, every time he watch one of these games and, and you misses another field goal, you're sitting back and you're like, it's almost bound to happen that he costs us in the biggest of spots you know and I know like sometimes it'll be like the first touchdown of the game who miss the extra point and we will win by 40 so it doesn't matter right like those are forgotten about but in a big spot is Greg Zerline making you shake a little bit going into the playoffs this year
2: I'm glad you worded it that way because I don't want to convince anybody that they shouldn't be worried about Zerline like he's missed enough kicks to where yeah that's a valid concern like It's like, I think it was RJ that tweeted like he's missed a kick in like 50% of his Cowboy games. Like (laughs) that that ain't good. Um, But but like I said, I'm glad you phrased it that way because think about the big moments that he's been in this year. Uh, Late against Tampa to take the lead with like a minute and a half. Late against the Chargers, walk off. Late against New England after he had missed to tie it and send it to overtime late against Vegas to tie it and send it to overtime. I think that's every like high pressure situation that he's been in and he nailed them all. Like he has made the big kicks. It's first quarter kick or the extra point after the second touchdown, that's where the problem has been. Um and I'm not trying to excuse that, but if you tell me that he's going to miss in the first quarter but make in the fourth I can live with that, I guess, and because I'll say, I'll tell you this: maybe they should have made a change six weeks ago. There's nothing we can do about that. They didn't, and so you're sitting here the week heading into the playoffs. I'd way rather dance with the devil I know than bring in a completely new guy that I know nothing about. Like, I would way rather just stick with the guy that I've been with for two years than try something new right now. So it's not a it's not a perfect situation. But that's whenever I start to get nervous about Greg, I just remind myself. I'm like, okay, he hits the high pressure kicks. That's 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 worth something at least. So that's
0: kind of where I'm at right now.
1: Your words to God's ears, Tony. Go ahead, bro. I see you're chomping at the bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Dave, you, we all know that uh, you've been around this team and you can feel the pulse of it. You've been there for a while. You've been around some really good teams and you've been down on, on down the road of some uh, really tough seasons. So, I just wanted to get the kind of pulse how you feel. Does this team stack up with what, you know, just in your experience, now you're not you Nostradamus, know, you can't tell the future, but how do you feel this team, does it have the makeup to kind of make a run here in the playoffs, but how do you feel about their prospects?
2: Oh, man, I think about that a lot. It's a really good question. Uh, it's funny because, like, if you had asked me at Halloween, like, I'll never I'll never forget sitting in the sitting in the media room after the Vikings game you know, they beat, they beat the Vikings without Dak dramatic fashion. I just remember being like, this team is special, man. Like this team is really, really good. Like for them to do this without Dak, like we need to start thinking about tickets to LA. Like, no, like this is crazy. And then the second half of the, honestly, everything since then has reminded me of 2019 where you're just like, Oh my God, like there's, (laughs) I know they're talented. Like, I know they're good. Why? Why is it so hard to get consistent performances out of this team? Uh, So it's, it's been a weird, I don't remember a year like that where it's kind of been both. Like, it's usually either like everything's great and they're winning and winning or they're not good. And not to say they haven't been good, but like, I don't remember ever being frustrated like this during a 12 win season, and I was like just not, gonna say that I was just yeah. gonna say
1: how frustrated can we possibly be when you look at the record and it says 12 and five, and we're it's, all like no, up in arms.
2: It's crazy. And, and then the other thing I would say too is like, and I think most people, and that's probably fair. Like I'm I'm kind of a pessimist by nature. I'm not usually the guy that gets super excited. Like the reason I bring it up is like 2014. I thought I thought the Packers and Seahawks were better than the Cowboys that year. I I did. 2016, I think I think they even if they managed to get past Green Bay, I think maybe they lose to that Atlanta team. Or even if they had gotten all the way to the Super Bowl, I don't think that team with a rookie quarterback beats Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Uh, 2018, we knew that they were flawed, and I mean I don't think anybody really thought that they were going to do it that year. But this year. Even as frustrating as they've been, I think they're—I think they're every bit as good, if not better, than anybody else in the field. You know, like you look around, all these teams are flawed. Um, Green Bay looks pretty stout, and especially because they're at home. But like, and I, I'm never going to say I'm not afraid of Aaron Rodgers, but like, I just think—I think this team is way more, way closer to that team than they were in 2016 or 2014 let's put it that way um so that's i think that's what makes this like you kind of get your anxiety up because you're like i think this team is good enough to get there but only if they play up to their potential and they haven't been doing it consistently so i i straight up i would not be surprised to see this team in the super bowl and i would not be surprised to see them lose on Sunday to San Francisco, and that's terrifying. That and then like, I think, yeah, and that's <laughs> that's why everybody's kind of antsy right now. I totally get it. It's a weird spot to be. I mean, people
1: get on uh, on these cowboy fans as if like you know, I had one guy attack me like you can't live in the past, you know, you can't you can't feel this way. I'm like, I am emotionally damaged because of this team. You know what I mean? Like, I there, there's been years where I'm like, you know, 2007, for instance, when Romo's slinging it all over the place. I said, we are not being beat. You know, like that is that is the year that we, everybody's like, oh, my God, this is great. then you know, then Cancun or wherever the heck Whitten and Romo went, you know, like all the rest is history. But I looked at this team multiple times this year, multiple games. And I looked at, you know, the people that I was around and I said, look, this this could finally be it. You know, this could finally be the end of the drought. But then I go to a game, you know, I'm in Jersey. So, like, I went to the Monday night football game against the Eagles where we just trounced them. Right. And I got a lot of people, a lot of friends that go to game. Aiden was telling me in pre that he just went to a game a couple weeks back, right? The problem I have now is that we have this home game, which is great, right? But Dave, you're there, you're down, you're in the media room, you're down on the sidelines or wherever you want to be or permitted to be, right? It doesn't feel like a home field advantage when you're in Texas. So then they come out with this whiteout, right? And they're doing everybody where you're white. Let's do this. Let's do that. Do you think that, like, a guy like Jimmy G, I feel like, and, and I put him in a category of not typically to knock any quarterback in the NFL because they're all great, but, like, the boohoo quarterbacks, meaning, like, if things start to go wrong, they go wrong, right? And he's boohoo on the sidelines and things get flustered. Can this Cowboys fan, like, the fans in, in Dallas this weekend, can they fluster Jimmy enough to make a couple mistakes and give us a couple extra possessions? Because there's been times, Aiden even said, somebody told Aiden to sit down after a touchdown, because they were blocking their view, and like people are are, are posting videos say on third down, like "Hello, is anybody there?" Like, what are we doing? We're all sitting on our hands. Do you feel like this, the state, the 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 field, the stage is set? Are they going to be up for this game? So i
2: I do have good perspective on that, and it it's a fair criticism. Like, AT and T is an interesting, it's an interesting place to watch a football game because. I mean, it's it's a destination, so like the opposing fans always want to come. Um, so there, I mean, that's all that's that's going to happen. I mean, you build this ridiculous, gorgeous stadium, you're just going to draw. You know, they give tours and all that stuff. You're just going to draw people, and then um, there there can be like a wine and cheese element to it, uh, especially if it's like not a sexy matchup or something like that. Um, that that can happen. But having said all of that, I've been at AT&T. This will be my, what, 14, 16. This will be my fourth playoff game at AT&T. There is a difference. There is definitely a difference between, like, Sunday at noon against Denver, and it's the first time Denver's been there in eight years, and they've got a bunch of people coming, um, and their record's not very good, so the home fans are like, ah, whatever, we're going to blow these guys out. Um, it's different in the playoffs, uh, I think. it And, I mean, it it is funny that they're doing the whiteout because San Francisco wears red, which shows up better than, like, any other color. Like, you're going to know exactly where the red is. But I don't think – I'll be shocked if it looks bad, though. Like, I think it's going to be overwhelming Cowboy fans. Like, I don't think a lot of people are going to give up their tickets. I don't think that many out of state people have the time or resources to put a trip together on 5 days notice or whatever. And when it's a big even not even necessarily um not even necessarily playoffs like uh the night after Christmas Cowboys Washington Dallas had a chance to clinch the division. I mean, it was lit. It was they had the rally towels going and it was it was a rowdy rowdy environment. So and 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 the way that you know it's it's the Niners, it's this great historical rivalry where they have history in the playoffs. I think it's going to be nuts on Sunday. I honestly do. I don't think you need to worry about that.
1: I, I like I said, I think that was one of the one things that I was like, yeah, I remember a couple of years back there was like a sea of red. But you're right, there's preparation that goes into that. They knew they Let's were going to be there for that game.
2: And not only that, like it, I mean, it happened. Don't get, that definitely happened. But like people forget context. When they look at that photo, it was the season opener. So you have all year to get ready for it. Maybe most importantly, the Cowboys were coming off three straight eight and eights and the Niners were coming off three straight NFC title games and a Super Bowl. Like the Niners were rolling from 2011 to 2013. And so they were like, yeah, we're going to go to AT&T and whoop the Cowboys ass. This ain't that like, this is a good Cowboys team. Like I said, it's short notice, so you don't have as much time to get ready. Uh, I I think AT&T is going to show up in a big way this week.
1: I hope so. I hope so. Tony, you had something? I You're looking like hit the little button there.
0: <laughs> nah, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. So, um, you know, I'm just – I'm looking at this uh, matchup here. And do you think – I mean, Trent Williams is iffy. It looks like he's going to give it a go. But, you know, do you think Randy Gregory it could be advantageous in that matchup? I know Trent Williams is playing the – All pro level, but you know, other than like Randy Gregory or Demarcus Lawrence, like how do you think and see that matchup plays out between the D line and the San Francisco offensive line?
2: Yeah, that's. I mean, I I know Trent Williams is banged up, and I think the world of Randy Gregory, but I mean, that's a tough that's a tough matchup. Like he's he's been he might be playing he might be the best left tackle in football right now, just in terms of like across the season. Um, but I do I mean the right side of their line is a little bit of a mess. Like Mike McGlinchey's on IR, I think that's very advantageous for DeMarcus Lawrence. Um I think an unsung aspect of this is uh Alex Mack is is a fantastic center, so that that probably I would imagine be a problem for Neville Gallimore and those guys. Yeah, I mean it's fun that, like I got to be honest Tony, you're making me like rethink my strategy because I'm like, "Oh, I want Mike <laughs> I want Micah off the ball, making as many tackles as possible. But now I'm sitting here like, oh, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to get home with just four. So maybe we can have the best of both worlds and and have Micah blitzing up the A-gap a a few times. Because, uh, yeah, like on paper, I don't know if I trust the Cowboys to get home consistently with just four.
1: Aiden? You're on mute, buddy. You're <laughs> oh, hey, one dude, more time.
2: No.
3: <laughs> Coming into this week, we've seen the storylines from the coaches where it's Mike, Mc- Mike McCarthy. You mentioned it lost two straight to the Niners back in 2012 and 2013. You have Dan Quinn against his former offensive coordinator during the Super Bowl, and then Kellen Moore's first playoff game as an offensive coordinator. Do you are you worried about? Um, do you think this coaching staff comes ready to play and they're fired up, ready to get back to the playoffs for two of them and, and t- an opportunity to prove themselves for Kellen?
2: Yeah, I, I going back to what I said at the top. Maybe not fired up, but and honestly, I per- I think I prefer this. Like maybe just steady. You know, like I think I'm. Ve- I think it's very advantageous to have Mike McCarthy in this situation because. This should be old hat to him. I mean, how many – shoot, the guy's coached in like four or five NFC title games, let alone wild card games. I mean, the Packers made the playoffs for eight straight years. This shouldn't be – this shouldn't be anything to him. Like, it should just be like, yeah, this is this is where we expect to be. This is where we want to be. Uh, I do wonder about Kellen. Um, and he would never admit this publicly. And I, I'm not – I have no idea. I, I can't be inside the mind of Kellen Moore, but like it's his first playoff game. The offense has been up and down over the second half of the season. And he also, I assume, wants one of these NFL head coaching opportunities. At the very least, he probably wants to be considered for it. And so there's pressure on him to deliver. Because I mean, maybe he still gets a job anyway, but like it's kind of going to it's going to diminish your star a little bit if you're the offensive coordinator of the number one offense in the league and you go into the playoffs and score 16 points and lose, you know, like that, that ain't going to be good for your job prospects. So I do think whether he feels it or not, I think there's a lot of pressure on Kellen Moore in this game. And uh I don't worry about Dan Quinn as much just because he's got so much more experience. And he, same thing as, McCarthy, I mean, he's been to a super, he's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one, obviously lost as a head coach, but he shouldn't be faced by being in a wild card game. Um, hopefully, all of that experience, they can kind of take Kellen under their wing or whatever and be like, uh, it's gonna be okay, buddy. We got gotcha. you. Cause I do yeah. think that is if somebody's under pressure in this situation, I do think it's probably Kellen.
1: Yeah, it seems to me that, or it seems to all of us, that, that Kellen Moore's got himself a heck of an audition for the rest of the NFL right now for all those vacancies. Yep. And if they, if things started to kind of collapse a little bit throughout the course of the year, this is the time to kind of write all them and say like, hey, listen, guys, I got the talent. Here it is right here. And they put Absolutely. up 30, 30 plus on the Niners. No, all right, I so long.
2: Well, so not to cut you off, but like, just, I mean, think about it. Just, it's funny the way that all works. Like, chunk up 16 points and lose a stinker. What are people going to be saying about Kellen Moore on Monday? Conversely, if they score 38 on this vaunted Niners defense and, and win this game going away, what's the what are people going to be saying? They're going to, I mean, Kellen Moore. Every every team with an opening is going to be scrambling to talk to this guy. Every fan base is going to be like, get Kellen Moore on the phone right now. Like, so I mean, there's a lot riding on this, at least from a from a perception standpoint
1: if you had to put a percentage on it before we wrap this up, the likelihood of Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, both not being with the Cowboys next year, considering the fact that there are multiple vacancies now, another one just opened up right down the street in Houston. I know Texas is large, so it's not really right down the street. It's like a <laughs> three-hour flight, actually. I've done that, <laughs> or a two-hour flight. But um, what, what are the li- what's the likelihood that you think, regardless of result, let's just put results away because, I mean, look, look, if the Cowboys do what they're supposed to do, they could go on a run here. Uh, if they don't, People, the stats don't lie, right? The defense was dramatically changed enough for Dan Quinn to probably get some looks and some interviews. Same thing with the offense. They put up 50 points in two games out of three. The last, you know, I, I given the Eagles gave us, you know, nobody to really play against. However, it's still something. And 50 points in the NFL is 50 points in the NFL. I don't care how you how you cut it. Who's coming back who's not in your gut? Uh,
2: if I had to bet right now, I I would be pretty surprised if Dan Quinn's still here. Uh, Next year and the only And we can't you can't predict Somebody's heart For them you know like I guess There's at least a slim chance that Dan Quinn completely Means what he says and he's like I Love this group I love doing what I'm doing I'm not worried about the next job I guess it's theoretically possible He feels that way I mean he Did he pulled himself out of The consideration for the Jags job But is that about him not wanting to move on or him just not wanting that job. I mean, who knows? You say all four uh, of us
1: would, would probably pull out of that job as well.
2: <laughs> ex- so- exactly. So I just think at the end of the day, there's going to be a bunch of teams that want to talk to him. And, and a lot of them are going to have better situations than Jacksonville. I'd be surprised if he's still here. Uh, I think Kellen could potentially move on as well, but I think just, the inexperienced side of it, especially you know, if this if this offense struggles in the playoffs, I think maybe a lot of people are like, "Well, you I mean, you're not quite ready for prime time? Uh, maybe you know, hang out there for a couple more years and see what happens." Uh, so I think my gut is that I feel better about Kellen being here beyond this season than Dan. Got you, got you.
1: All right, well, it's time, and this is what we do every week. We've been right, we've been wrong. There's been plenty of times where we had egg on our face, and there's been plenty of times that we completely slaughtered the pick. I think one week, Tony had the score down to a t. So it's the two-minute warning on here, the two-minute warning podcast. We're going to give our predictions. Dave, I know you cook up a lot of the articles over at, at DallasCowboys.com. Feel free to bow out if you want, but we'll, we'll throw it to you last. We're going to give Aiden a shot first to predict if the Dallas Cowboys will be playing in A, uh, could they possibly get another home game yeah I guess if Philly decides to shock the world sure uh, but more than likely all roads lead to us going on the road if we win this game this week Aiden do the Dallas Cowboys get this done against the 49ers on Sunday
3: based on nothing but my gut hoping that it happens I think the offense finds a way to get moving against the 49ers run deep I think Early in the game, they, they're going to keep it close to the line of scrimmage, but they're going to, I think Kellen's going to know when to take his shots, when to open it up, and when to let Dak air it out. On the defensive side of the ball, I do think the Cowboys surprise people and put up a good performance against the 49ers rushing defense. Um, a couple bold predictions. I think Dak throws for 303 touchdowns with Cedric Wilson being receiver. And I think Micah Parsons gets his first interception this week as Jimmy G loves to throw it across the middle. I think Micah Parsons could be waiting on a ball. I'm going 34-23, Cowboys, and a big one.
1: All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's that's a 11 point win for the Dallas Cowboys the spread as I've last checked I believe it was around 3ish. So we'll see if that changes throughout the course. We'll see where the money comes in. That's kind of kind of scares me only because I know if this game was played on neutral grounds that almost that's a pick 'em and I really do feel like the Cowboys have a better team overall but I digress with the the gambling aspect of all this. Tony, my pie's on, bro. What what are we feeling here uh going into this one? 4.30 on the East Coast, 3.30. And by the way, I've been ripped to shreds on Twitter. Every time I say, hey, 4.30, you know, we're here. And everybody's like, it's central time. They're a central team. And I'm like, look, man, I, I grew up on the East Coast. This is forever. 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 8 o'clock. That's all I know in football. So sorry for all those uh, those crazy people out there on the, uh, the Twitterverse. Tony, give me something, bro. Give me, give, make me feel a little better. Aiden hesitated a little bit. So I was kind of like, uh, I don't know if he's confident in his pick. So Tony, give me something a little bit more confident.
0: Listen so I'm I'm definitely confident in my pick. I'm a little more shaky in the game. I do think the Cowboys are going to find a way to win. I think this offense gets rolling early and that's how they have to that's how they've shown all season that they you know they got to get out there. They got to got to strike it first. Um, I do think that this game is going to be tight. I think they'll cover the spread. I, my final score prediction will be 24 to 20. I think the defense is going to find ways to, to make plays. I think um, they'll be flying around the ball a little bit, especially with Micah Parsons having that. I always mention like, that youthful ignorance. He doesn't know the big the moment. He doesn't know he's in a playoff game. He's just going to go out there and play football. But I do think beyond this, you're going to say, yeah, of course, the playoff game is important. But I think this playoff te- game specifically for this Cowboys team is important. Because if they come out of Sunday with a win, I think that they could really all look at each other in this locker room and say, I think we can do something big here. I think this is the one right here. If they can break the dam, there could be a flood here after this game.
1: I do like the tone setting mentality. It's meaning like if you get out there in front of your home crowd and deliver what we all hope they deliver. Yes. This, this is where they can all look themselves in the post game and say, you know what? We can win this whole stinking thing. You know what I mean? And I say stinking for the first time, maybe in my life, I'm trying to clean up uh, the way I use words uh, on podcasts, but listen, Tony, believe it or not, I have it written down right here. I also have the Cowboys winning 24 um, 20. So I I'm on the side of that. I think that this game, um, the Cowboys have to find themselves just two. And when I say two, two extra possessions to win this game. And I'm not saying they're going to win it in the end. I'm saying if they can pick off Jimmy once and if they, if Sam Fran goes for it on fourth for whatever reason on their own 46 or something, something crazy like that where Shanahan's feeling froggy and he wants to go for it and we stuff him up the gut and we get that extra possession win, which we were supposed to be pinned back if you would have played it right, you know, upright. Um, I, I feel like a couple extra possessions get this done for the Cowboys. Maybe they get off to like a 14-3 lead where we're kind of feeling ourselves. And then again, score 10 points, keep it, keep it, you know, keep it on the ground. I understand a lot of people, and I'm I've been a Zeke. You guys listen to all the blogging the boys stuff. I've been a Zeke apologist forever. And I truly think that, you know, based off of yes, he just got over the thousand yard hump, and I know that was important to him, but I feel like he feels good right now based off of everything that we're reading. You know, the knee brace is staying on. Everybody, you know, worried about that. Tony Pollard will spill him when it's necessary. But I think when you need to hand the ball off to the workhorse, Ezekiel Elliott's going to come through for us. And I think he even scores in this game and in place goes absolutely bonkers. So give me the Cowboys 24-20 to move on to the second round. And this is the first time I've actually confidently said they're going to win this game. It took me to Thursday to feel like they were going to win this game. So, Dave, I'll throw it to you. I mean, you could say like, hey, sorry, no dice or give us a prediction.
2: So y'all said this airs on Saturday, right? Yes. Okay. If it airs on Saturday, my pick will already be out there anyway. So that's okay. Cool. Um, It's fun. Like I think about picks as like, like, it's like a law of averages thing. And I hate, I hate this because I don't think the Cowboys are so much better than the Niners that they deserve to have all four people on a show predict them to win. Like that just doesn't (laughs) sit right with me. But at the (laughs) same time. At the same time, I just like I believe in Dak Prescott and what these guys have done too much to think that they're going to bow out in one game against. I mean this this is a really tough matchup. Uh, one thing I'm I'm positive about, I think Sunday is going to be really stressful for everybody involved. Um, and it's funny, y'all's scores made me laugh. I'm thinking 23-19. Uh, I think I think San Francisco is going to move the ball between the 20s very well, almost like to an alarming degree. Uh, but whether takeaway or making them settle for field goals, I think they're going to bog down a lot. I don't trust Jimmy to make the plays that he has to make. And I don't trust them to run the ball well enough to not have to throw. I mean, like they'll be successful running, but not so successful that Jimmy's going to get out of there throwing six passes like he did in the playoffs a couple years ago. <laughs> Um, so I got San Francisco settling for a lot of field goals. I don't think it's going to be pretty for the Cowboys, but I just trust the better quarterback to find a way to get it done. And I almost all week, I've just had the number 23, 19 in my head. And I think, like I said, I think San Fran kicks a bunch of field goals. Maybe Greg Zerline misses an extra point. Uh, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I got, give me, give me Cowboys 23, 19 in a very, physical, very stressful game.
1: Bold prediction out of Dave Hellman as far as uh, Greg Zerlin missing a field goal. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
1: in any event, Dave, Brand, we want to really, 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 really thank you to the utmost for coming on the two-minute warning podcast on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Everybody's jazzed up. The We're pretty much the last voices that Blogging the Boys Podcast Network are going to hear before game time on Sunday. I mean, I'm sure we'll put out a bunch of stuff uh, in between then and now or now and then, but uh, again, man, thank you very much for coming on. And of course for Dave Sturgio, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis, we we hope that you're a witness to a very big Cowboys win on, on, and of course of your prediction of 2319. It's not that big of a win, but a gritty one. Let's grind one out. And thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Anytime fellas. This was a blast. I, I appreciate you having me on
1: all right guys so subscribe to the blog and the boys podcast network right now give us a like leave a comment share this episode let this thing grow just as big as every other podcast on this network so for dave Sturgio, aiden davis and tony catalina and of course our special guest today dave hellman this has been another episode of the two minute warning podcast let's go cowboys hopefully we'll see you guys next week with another game to talk about